0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Music. Horror. Art. Politics. Bad-assery. Welcome to society.
2: You want to see something really scary? You bet. Music, horror, horror. art, politics, and
0: overall bad-ass <laughs> Welcome to
3: Kettle Whistle Radio for Real on Society 13 Networks. And <laughs> now your hosts, David Fairhead and Heather Taddy. Check the lows real quick, because, you know. Um, looks
2: good. All right. Well, welcome to
3: Kettle Whistle Radio, folks. Um, yeah, uh,
2: and uh, we, we actually we're filming right now too. Um, apparently, you wanted some footage of this.
3: Multimedia, man. Let's Multimedia. Do it. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, we got Miss D on camera. She refuses to talk. <laughs> so um, she is a boom operator, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah, she's fine when she has a mic in front of
3: her, but now she has a camera, so.
0: I have a tambourine.
3: Uh, oh, good. And uh, Heather oh, found nice. a tambourine. I-, I do apologize for that. <laughs> Well, it is Kettle with Radio, and it's all about the music, man. I guess so,
2: but sometimes we're not so musical. Um, but all right, Roger Sampson, Forces of Horror, and you made us a part of that, and I'm not sure why yet. But we,
3: <laughs> she laughed. I lost uh, a bet, really.
0: <laughs> Wait, who that you, explains it. Who
2: are you betting?
3: Who are you? Oh, betting? buddy I used to play softball with, and
2: then. Oh my God, my brother-in-law.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Misty. Yeah. Can you
2: see Roger over here? Can you, can you see? There he is. That's the director, Forces of Horror, who uh, got us included with the wraparound story. Um, clown junkie that he approved
3: of. I'm not <laughs>
2: sure why. I'm glad you like it.
3: Um, <laughs> no, actually, I did. Uh, when I when I saw what you guys shot, I I was like, oh, you know what really look cool here? And the, oh, my gosh, you know what really cook cool here?
2: Sorry there. <laughs> Come up. Hold on, sorry what about that. What did you do? I phased them out. Technical difficulties.
3: That's why I still can't see you guys. I'm sitting here talking to myself. Yeah, you're, no, you're,
2: you're, you know, the camera's not up right now just because we have too much going on in this uh, little studio of ours called Helm's Deep Headquarters. But anyway, you were saying, so why, why did you <laughs> why did you include us? We <laughs> lost a bet uh, to my brother-in-law, Frank, and then what else? Oh, that's our dog. She is always part of the show. So Nice. But go ahead. Uh, go ahead with what you're saying. Sorry about that.
3: Well actually we were looking for a horror host and I put a thing out on Facebook and Frank uh, messaged me and says hey I've got a horror author who's uh, related in the family and I'm like sure you know let me know who it is and I looked you up and um, the theme music to your book online was pretty cool I thought he'll do and uh, no seriously though um you know I looked up your I looked up your guys stuff I you know watched some watched some of the paranormal State cuz I sadly missed it when it was uh, on live but uh I was like this is pretty cool so I I I told Frank I'd get in touch with you and the rest is history I sure. guess, yeah almost history
2: um we have a little more work to
3: do apparently well I mean, that's assuming you don't quit before you finish it. Ah, quit!
2: (laughs) I guess we got to talk about these films now. You got monsters, you got zombies, you got evil um, children—everything that I love about horror movies. And uh, uh, Heather and I both enjoyed it. Miss D enjoyed it too. Again, she won't talk today. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) It's just a thing right now. Um, So, all right, where did this start? What is the origin of the species?
3: Well, the origin of species actually is a is a famous paper. It was written by, um, of course, now that I have to, now have to think of it, um, Natural Selection. I, it escapes me now. Darwin. Um, Darwin? Darwin. Thank you. <clears throat> so, um, I was searching for, um, basically, I was searching for a, a title to the film, which is about vampires, uh, being at the top of the food chain. And, um the ignorance of man to think that we're the top of the food chain kind of thing. So, um, I started, I just basically Googled natural selection and I came across a bunch of articles. And then I came across this paper that Darwin wrote. I'm like, Whoa. So I just, I did some research on IMDB as far as, you know, uh, the title of this paper. And there were several film projects or whatever, TV episodes, whatever that had variations of that. But just the words, the origin of species wasn't, wasn't used. I'm like, that's my title
2: cool now forces of nature uh, forces of nature gosh i say that a lot <laughs> forces of horror like where like how did this come about when did you decide okay it's time for me to make a movie
3: actually i wrote a, a feature zombie thriller called the uh well actually let me back up um i was watching the walking dead one time actually i watched it a bunch of times but Sorry. this one time i was recent, watching it and recent it, of course years. has one
2: what's that recent years then
3: yes it was like 2 years ago uh, watching an episode of The Walking Dead, and of course they had one of those scenes where they're, you know, characters walk in and there's some zombies like feasting on some guy or whatever, and I got this twist in my stomach, and every time I watch a scene like that, I would get this twist in my stomach, and finally I'm like, why am I getting a twist in my stomach? And then it hit me, because the zombie genre in general, and Romero actually has even been uh, interviewed about this very point, and he doesn't actually care about it. But uh, the logic gap for me is about, you know, I would, I'm kind of like, um, as a writer, I, I need to know everything that's going on in my story, why it happens. Because if I don't have like a godlike knowledge of what's going on, right. then no one else is going to get it either. <clears throat> so um, when I was looking at the zombies, I'm like... I'm like, you know, where does that stuff go when they eat? Where does that go? They don't have a <laughs> gastrointestinal system to work it out, and they're always hungry. So they're, it's like they, I mean, you think at least over the course of time they would get fat, you know, just having all this flesh that just doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Right. And so I, I started asking myself all these questions about zombies, you know, why this, why that? And so then it hit me, I, and I actually Facebook did that. That night I was kind of like, oh, revelation, I'm going to write a film which explains where zombies come from, why they do what they do, how they, why they, you know, react to things the way they do, why they need to eat flesh, etc. And so I spent like three months just kind of like, uh, actually doing a lot of research, like about science and about, um, just different. I was, I was trying, I needed to connect some, some scientific dots with science fiction, obviously. And so I came across this I idea, I figured dots. out a way to Sorry, that's a little ministry logically right right and scientifically where zombies come from and, and why they do what they do. And, I was able to set it up to where all my science points worked, at least, I mean, you know, with the science fiction I threw in. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this screenplay called The Zombie Effect. And so I went out and I started promoting the crap out of it. And so we uh, we, we were going to make this film, and then every time we'd try to approach people about funding or about distribution, we're like, we don't know you. You know, what have you done? I'm like, Mm. well... This'll be our I mean, first, and they'll be like, yeah, come talk to me when you've done something. Wow. Okay. So at that point, we're How like, discouraging well. discouraging is that? That's, that's the way it is in the indie world, man. Yeah, I know.
2: It's life. So yeah, we're, we're both in it. Trust me. <laughs>
3: exactly. So we, uh, we figured to, to do a short to show what we could do so we could go back to them and say, hey, now that you've read the script and here's a short to show you what we can do and so on and so forth. So, um, I sat down to write revelations. Well, I was writing revelations and, um, the the story of rawhead hit me I'm like whoa that's a cool one the and monster then story.
2: that's the monster story
3: yeah the monster story and then origin hit me and then the Jones hit me actually the Jones had been kind of floating around in my head ever since I'd watched my first there, there was like there have been several like uh intelligent zombie comedies you know where they, they they walk and they talk but it's all you know comedies are trying to you know like leave it to beaver right and i was like it would actually be kind of funny if you saw you know the mom zombies shopping for groceries at the store goes up to the meat counter and it's all brains and you know <laughs> and i thought that would actually be funny and so that the story for the jones actually sort of spawned from that you know from from, from that gestation that just kind of lets sit because you know most people don't care about smart zombies anyway
2: uh, I'll tell you that I think the Jones was my favorite. I, Heather, where are you with that? Yeah,
0: I like that one. That, that was my favorite too.
2: Yeah, that one stuck out with her too, uh, big time.
3: Well, the Jones actually turned out to be more of a metaphor for human beings than any of the other oh, any of the other three stories because uh, just the name, the Jones, is you know designed off the stereotypical you know Keeping Up with the Joneses kind of, of stereotype. Course. Yeah, uh, yeah. The fact that they're undead, you know, but there's they, they walk around, they look like a normal family, they, you know, whatever, but they're not normal because they're zombies. <clears throat> and that's, again, a metaphor for our condition as human beings is how screwed up we are and how it, it's, we feel normal, but we're not. And, um, so that's, you know, so anyway, I was like, well, which one do I do? You know, so I had gone to, uh, the guy who shot him for me, and, um, I said, you know, I wonder if we could do all four of these. If we can find one location, we don't have to, you know, if we can find one location to shoot them all and cast the same people, then we can literally, you know, make this and close it and just have, you know, shoot it over four weekends. That was our plan. Amazing. And, mm-hmm. uh you know, so we, that's, you know, what basically ended up becoming the anthology. I'm like, you know, American Horror Story does this where they have the same cast. They just do different roles and things like that. Right. Yeah. So it's not, the precedent has been set. <clears throat> so I think it would work. And so they, you know, they agree, and they're like, let's, let's try this. So that's kind of how the anthology came about as we were going to make one short turn it into four shorts because the other angle was, well, if they're, if they turn out good enough, we, you know, we can put them on a DVD and then we can try to sell them.
2: Right. And that's, uh, now, where are you with that? Now, you're showing, the films are being shown. Are you showing them, all, like, all four in the same theater, back-to-back? What are you doing right now as far as showing the films?
3: They're just actually on YouTube. They're open and available for anyone to watch at the moment. Okay. Um, when we get closer to actually having a DVD author later this year, we'll probably take them down. Okay, you answered uh, the question. We, that I was going to ask about the DVD, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got to wait for my hosts to really finish filming their stuff. They're taking uh, a really long time with it, so... You hear you that, know, Heather? I'm hoping. You hear what he's you know, saying right now, right? He's talking about us. Oh, that's <clears> I know they waste of time talking about stuff on the radios. I don't know what that's all about.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. She's got her music career kicking right now. And well, you know, I, I have put my writing career on hold right now for you. So I, we're, we're trying. <laughs> no, we're trying. Now, Heather can't stop. Apparently the glowworms are blowing up and her bass career is just out of control. Oh, right
0: now, it's but, not that uh, crazy. <laughs> she's got stuff well, awesome.
2: going on though, too. What's this No, other thing?
0: we just, uh, we just recorded, um, me and the Glowworms—we just recorded like four more songs, and we're gonna oh, do like nice. l- we're gonna do a little tour in March.
2: Sweet. So that should be fun. Yeah. And I, um, well, uh, with any—did you
3: get that release form back to? to I did. Head? Yeah, oh. a
0: little late. But <laughs> did you get it yet?
3: I did. Actually, okay. it came in the mail last week.
0: Yeah, I I just, I just sent the signed copies instead of the. <laughs> I was
3: like, "This like, was only oh. signed 18 months ago." I'm, I'm I so know. I I,
0: I there's been a lot going on. I've just been all over the place, so I'm sorry for that. But
3: that's very. <laughs> that's but good. you have it now. <laughs> very typical of us. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, well, you get to. You'd hear, be surprised uh, how common that actually is in the indie world. Oh no, I
2: I I know. We've been in it for quite some time, but yeah. So you get to hear a little bit of glowworms in your film, which we we thank you so much for. That's yeah. really, really
3: cool. Yeah, no, I'm, that's, it's awesome. Matter of fact, I want to, um, you know, is it available on iTunes? I want to to buy your song. Um, we
0: have a band camp. We're currently setting up a, a website right now where you can buy our, because we we recorded a cassette, so yeah. Um, yeah, man. we're trying to set that up right now, so yeah. I, I'll, still, I'll let you know. still
2: cassettes? The yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going on camera yeah. right now. <laughs> we're,
0: we're true punks. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah, they're very, but, um, very good, actually. Extremely good live.
0: I was going to ask you, Roger, what are some of your favorite bands?
3: Ooh. Oh, well, see that? There's some irony there, actually, because my favorite bands are all Christian metal bands, like, uh, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, um, like Project 86, probably bands you've never even heard of, would be my guess. Uh, um,
2: uh, not necessarily. Go ahead. Uh,
3: Under Oath, which is actually no I've longer together. I've heard of together. them. Yeah. you Under Oath? Yeah, Under yeah. Oath awesome. Um, Project 86, POD, um, of are course. some of my favorites, be, uh, becoming the archetype.
2: Yeah, I know them too.
3: Um,
2: I saw POD I, a long time ago. Me and his dude, yeah, actually, that's,
3: a... that was the last show I went to see. It was in uh, it was in California. <clears throat> they put on a great show. Um, so I, I actually, you know, I also before I got into Christian metal, I was into like you know bands of the '80s like Van Halen and Ario cool. Speedwagon and Rush and Boston. Oh, you I said still that, listen yeah. to those. Said the
2: three letter word
3: I can't do R.E.O.
0: I love Boston. Boston's great.
3: <laughs> yeah, Boston's awesome. Actually, in every about every ten or twenty years, they send out another record. You know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Since how long it takes him to record it and remix it because he has to get every note correctly, you know.
2: <laughs> so uh, metal has had a little bit of a, a piece of your history, it had a little bit of influence on your writing.
3: Metal, yeah, metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, I, I I have to say I think music and uh, music of a variety of genres has because you know mm-hmm. as as much as I like metal, I was I was surfing on YouTube one day and I saw an ABBA video and I watched it. And I was like. I was like, "Wow, this nice. is actually pretty good," you know. Nice Abba, it's, all right. It was it was crazy. Well, actually, it kind of started like this two day thing where I just kind of got obsessed with all things Abba. So I started like looking at all their documentaries and stuff. <laughs> I was, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but this is kind of this is interesting, Fernando. you know. <laughs> oh, you hear that?
2: <laughs> yeah, she can cover Abba.
3: <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So anyway, there's um... nothing
2: wrong with liking Abba. Nothing. I don't yeah. say. What? As
3: far as the horror genre goes, metal actually plays a large role. You know, but
2: they go hand um, in hand.
3: They go hand in hand. Um, yeah. And other than that, I'm not sure it would necessarily have much of an influence on my writing. My writing is more. Um, I like to take what I like to take stuff that people have done and turn it on its head and make it interesting. Okay. And that's actually with all the, all the anthology films are that way. It's everything you've ever heard about. You know this. You know, like zombie films, instead of having, you know, bloodthirsty, you know, mindless, whatever, I made them intelligent and I made them do to each other what human beings do to each other. Right. Like, that, that should, like, at least make people really uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, a little bit, a
0: little bit. I love making people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the best feelings.
3: Did you know that
2: right? Heather is an alien? Did you know that? I do know. I do know. Yeah, now you know. She'll tell you yeah, that story. That explains story
3: one day. why it took 18 months for her to get that back to <laughs> <Yeah, that> me.
0: <makes laughs> it didn't sense. take 18 months. <laughs> she it took, had to travel it took like a the month. Galaxy. It took a month, maybe. Yeah, it's
2: just Heather time, the space time continual yeah. type thing. I You're live right? in my
0: own world, I guess. Nice. <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> Even Miss D laughed at that and she said she wouldn't talk.
0: <laughs> I just recently this is going to make me sound like I just don't I'm not no. updated on anything but I it. didn't know that Donald Trump was seriously running for
3: president
2: <laughs>
0: I thought it was a joke
3: today. Or... yeah just like this week
0: is. I just realized
3: jokes on us though yeah really. Yeah, really.
0: I'm like yeah. why because everyone's talking about it. I'm like why is everybody talking about Donald Trump I just don't pay attention <laughs> to anything
3: you know I'll give you the inside scoop on Donald Trump this is why Donald Trump is so popular and this is why Donald Trump will make a horrible president because he doesn't play the political games that everyone else plays which is what makes him interesting to most people because they're sort of done with politics in general And people say, hey, I'm going to promise you all this crap I'm never going to deliver. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to promise you anything. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And I'm not going to take any crap off anybody, which is fine, except when you're the president and the most powerful man, quote unquote, in the world, you don't have the luxury of doing that to other countries. I'm yeah. going to say, really, here's the red button. Let me push it.
0: It's all a red joke. Button. It's all one big joke.
3: Yeah. I, right? Speaking of that yeah. red
2: button, I got I, you know I, I do have a day job and I just learned something. Do you remember a Bugs Bunny cartoon with Daffy Duck as a salesman? Don't touch the red button. Yeah. You Remember that? You I re- remember, you remember. Yeah. That? I no, love cartoons. Really? I remember. You remember? And Roger doesn't. That's interesting. Well, I did that at work and I broke the warehouse <laughs> that I work in. I touched the red button. It's a true story. Do not touch the red button anywhere in a warehouse. With that note, I'm going. We're going to take a station break for identification. No. Actually, Actually, we're going to do a commercial real quick. All right, and we'll get right back to Roger Sampson and Forces of Horror.
3: I'm not afraid of the dark, but
1: you should be. There are things that grow here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game.
2: Hey, I'm Joe Lynch, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Dave, that sick (laughs) mother-scratcher.
1: The critically acclaimed author of Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes returns with 15 tales of horror and suspense. With everything here is a nightmare from zombies in the old west to a young boy tempted by the devil from vampires with romantic longing to an abandoned lighthouse haunted by vengeful spirit from a serial killer getting unholy justice to an haunted English race car. Nelson W. Piles invites you to explore the landscape of fear suspense and horror Take his hand and hold on tight. Remember that whatever you find there, whatever you see, no matter what you might think it could be, know this. Everything here is a nightmare. By Nelson W. Piles. Available in paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. By Burning Bowl Publishing.
2: And we are back. Metal Whistle Radio with Director Roger Sampson. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. Yes, we had a mighty discussion off air. There was another death in the music world today, and uh, you know whether or not you're around. Uh, me and Roger were uh, for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice White passed away. One of the founding members died today. They did a little dedication for him on that, that 70s channel, uh, the 70s channel on XM uh, today. But, yeah, I grew huh. up with that. I mean, I was a, 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 just a child, but Earth, Wind, and Fire was a force in R&B, funk, and the rock world back in the day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That, but, I mean, David Bowie, that's a huge one. There's just been so much. And then Phil Enselmo being a jerk in the news and... But I don't know. That's
0: why I don't watch the news. I, yeah, I don't want to know what's going on you know, you don't <laughs> because wanna... most of the time I just—it's not good. I don't <laughs>
2: care. It's been yeah, yeah. I'm fine <laughs> without
0: <laughs> knowing what's going on in the
2: world. <laughs> so what do you? Want? I'm with it. <laughs> all right. So the two of you. Yeah. Actually, Roger told me that he he stays out of that and, and politics. Yeah. And actually, this the closest we came to politics was just you know the last segment when you were talking. Uh, we don't talk about politics on this show at all. But uh, musicians, yes, and the loss of that sucks. But anyway, let's get back into why we're here today. (laughs) We want to thank Brian Coddington, of course, Shane Keller, and Miss D, KWR, uh, for helping us out with our wraparound story of Clown Junkie that you seem to approve of. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what did you like about it? Just, uh, what, just the idea?
3: Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. When I, uh, I saw the footage and, um, I liked the premise of it. I liked the fact that it was, uh, you know, that you were tying it into, like, the musical element of your show, uh, that you had the clowns that, you know, kind of give you, I don't know, almost a slip-not feel, um, which those are creepy clowns. And, um, <clears throat> so when I saw the footage, I was really, I was like, that actually works because, uh, what we were looking for was something that we could tie in the four anthology films, at least thematically, into this, you know, wraparound thing with, with the, with the horror author and the DJs and that that, that sort of thing. So it, it really worked. I'm
2: glad. Well, I'm glad we could do that. We it was fun. Show. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I mean, we were, we were basing it on, it's hard to do something like that with somebody else's work. It's like, you know, taking somebody else's painting and, you know, outlining it. Um sure. And where we grew I grew up with uh, USA Up All Night and, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. And all they would do is, you know, make fun of the things because they, they would just show kind of bad movies. But it, there was a, a place to make fun. Where I, I, we didn't want to have it in bad taste and be cheesy, even though that's how I am naturally. So, you know, it was hard. It was kind of hard to do. You know, I wanted to make it tongue in cheek, but not so that we're being cheesy.
3: Well, that's all right. Wait till you read the rewrite treatment. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs> so you're adding the old footage with some new? Is that the idea?
3: Uh, well, like I said, it, it, we might do uh, – it depends on what you guys reshoot. Um, which I was trying to write it so that it complemented what you guys have already done. Um, but, again, you know, if you want to reshoot the whole thing, then that's totally cool with me. Okay.
2: And, uh, well, Brian's in on it. Like I said, Brian Cottington, who, we have to get big, big ups, too, because he just won um, – a film uh, at the, uh, what was that, in uh, Miss D? There was an award that uh, Brian Connington won for the atrocity. Um, exposition. The you know the um House exactly. of Oddities. It was uh, for costumes, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a yeah. film festival in Long Island. Yes,
0: I just Smith- remember the name of the
2: film festival in, in Smithtown, Long Island. Actually, pretty close. Oh, to I've I'm been from. there. Yes, you, know you have. Where, yeah. yeah. See, there's I've been another there's time. Smithtown. What, what Heather's favorite episodes was filmed there for uh, yeah. paranormal State. That's where you guys got to play in the bar, Brian's right? bar. Yeah. Yeah. What band was that? Was just you? Heavy playing? Radio. That heavy, was, was my radio. band. I had with my
0: cousin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we
2: played Heavy Radio. Smithtown
0: was a cool little place. It a cool little
2: place. There's. They had a good
0: comic toy store. Did you go in there? Yeah, I used to go there. It's like right near yeah. there.
2: Yep, yep, and a flea market and everything. But yeah, that it, kind of weird ties here. And uh, going back to Roger, he's actually from well, he's in Dallas, and I spent a lot of my time in Dallas with my cousins. And oddly, you know, it's just funny. Are you from there originally, or did you transplant there?
3: I transplanted here twice. Actually, I was I grew up uh, in Minnesota after being born in Kansas. Okay, and then I spent time in Arizona, and California, and Texas. Not twice. Okay.
2: And horror, where did it start for you?
3: <laughs> in my youth, really. Okay. Um, no, s- seriously, as far as uh, writing it, um, I wrote a feature in Los Angeles, uh, called The Ritual, which is under option in Florida. And it's, uh, sort of a modern day Jack the Ripper tale with some supernatural elements in it. Um, and so I, I've always had a, I've always been a fan of the horror genre. And it's probably for me the, one of the easiest to write because I understand the elements that make, you know, that, that make it up. Um, but it's not where, it's not necessarily what I want to focus on my whole career, but it, it's at least for, you know, what we've done here, it's, it's worked pretty well.
2: Okay. Well, if not horror, then what else are you, what would you like to focus on? A lot of the best Peter Jackson, a lot of the best directors start with horror and they move on to do mm-hmm. these gigantic productions. Um, I've, I've actually
3: started writing a, th- uh, I've actually started writing a thriller, uh called the deep web um the deep web and i think thrillers are kind of more of where i'd like to go uh, i also have a, a a story in development called the abyssal plane which is about a a, a submerged transatlantic bullet train um goes from new york to london and that's going to be like a really fun adventure to write but it's going to take a lot of research so i've kind of put that on the back burner the deep web is going to be a story about a private detective that's hired to find a missing girl. Um, and the investigation leads her into like the dark portions of the deep web. It's like 96% of the internet is not accessible to the general population. Everything that we do in Google and all that is all in the top 4% layer. And so I thought there's a lot of dark and deep real things that, you know, exist under there. And I, You know, I think people would really go for Mm -hmm. a story that kind of dives in there and brings kind of to light some of the real human horrors that we have to deal with.
2: Awesome. I love the idea.
3: Um,
2: Oh, gosh, I had so many questions for you. But um, now this is volume one, Forces of Horror. I know I've asked you this. It's probably unfair to ask you, you know, in the development of our show right now and, and your DVD that's coming out. But is there a chance for more Forces of Horror?
3: Sure, there always is. Um, the thing about the uh, the anthology is that we wrote stories that we wanted to tell as shorts, but in uh, in actuality, they're all um, easily adaptable into feature length. And a couple of them, Rawhead and Origin in particular, are franchise uh, uh, kind of eligible stories. Um, so on the one hand, we wanted short films to kind of you know to uh, explore our filmmaking our narrative style and to be able to show that you know as in like a resume of what we can do um i also want to at some point use those kind of like as proof of concept to be able to you know expand them into features as far as additional you know volumes that's you know it's entirely possible uh (laughs) but never again without a budget
2: okay well, I'm going to use one of the evil words that keeps coming up because I work with a lot of indie independent people. I'm in for indie films, including yours. Um, distribution. How does one go about finding a distributor? And then, I mean, how do you try to get on Netflix? What, what are the stepping stones?
3: Well, there are a couple of different paths you can take. Um the most common path where most indie filmmakers try to do it is on the ind- uh, is on the festival circuit. You try to get yourself into some relatively high-profile festivals. If you can get into any of the big festivals, then you're almost guaranteed to have someone of some sort of distribution angle to watch your film. That being said, distribution in today's independent market is nothing like it was 20 years ago. It's, um, almost saturated. There's like, if you go on Facebook, you can find a hundred different independent film quote distributors who can get your film on into, you know, video on demand or DVD. Uh, just depends on what type of deal you can make. It's not going to be like it used to be where if you get into Sundance, your film can go theatrical and get a theatrical relation. You can get a seven figure deal out of it. It doesn't really work like that anymore. I mean, it does for, for some films, but the vast majority of the films that get on the Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, are done via sales type agents who um, they either may approach the filmmaker or the filmmaker, filmmaker may approach them and say, I've got this material, and then they, you know, they watch it or whatever. And then so almost I would say a, a really healthy portion of independent films that are made uh, as long as they meet certain standards of uh, at least production value uh, that doesn't necessarily have to translate into, you know, you know, Oscar worthy performances or even, you know, decent stories. Um, but as long as, as they meet certain standards, you can pretty much get a distribution deal for almost anything, uh, whether it be on video on demand, DVD, you know, some will even be sold into Netflix. The problem with that is a lot of times it comes in like where your film will be part of like a hundred films that will be kind of pooled up into this one pool and sold off in mass uh, to the Hulu and all that sort of thing. And then you really have you're sort of dependent upon people going in there and watching your film as much as possible for you to even get any kind of revenue stream out of it. So <clears throat> um, getting a distribution deal for the anthology shouldn't be a monumentally hard task. Uh, just getting one that will help us recoup our costs, mm-hmm. that that will be the challenge
2: yeah man i mean I, i'm hearing all about that uh right now i have a bunch of work on hold right now uh because my publisher uh gary vincent with burning ball publishing he's involved with uh, john russo's film my mm-hmm. uncle john is a zombie which is a great you know i got to be in it which is fantastic um and uh but it's you know the, the production costs are holding back a lot of like the publishing that he i not really holding back he's like Send it to me. We'll get it out there. It's going to be a couple months, though. And, you know, he's trying to recoup, too. And I think he will. It's going to be a cult classic. I think it's going to be a really good movie. It's a comedy horror. Um, John Russo is in it. He is Uncle John. And, you know, this is the guy that wrote the original Night of the Living Dead with uh, Romero, you know? Um, He's got really good cast. And, I mean, there's some really funny stuff going on there, too. Just the right approach to a zombie film right now,
3: I think. Um, Well, and when you have... Recognizable names attached, whether it be in, in, a, in a production capacity or in a talent capacity, you, the road is paved much easier for you because you can. You might be able to get a distribution deal on its merits if you have names attached, uh, as opposed to going through the, the through the pool thing when you when you are basically dealing with folks who are unknowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as far as that goes, it shouldn't be a big deal. That being said, I read an interesting article um, about a very talented filmmaker who actually on his very first feature got a distribution deal. But it took him five and a half years to recoup his production costs—not even yeah. his prints and advertising—through uh, the revenue streams of his distribution deals. Just because that's, you know, he actually spent his own. I think it was like three hundred thousand dollars of his own money. He he did the whole thing, and it still took him five and a half years to make it back. Ouch. So, you know, it, you know, it's you just have to temper your expectations. You, you know, you, um. You get the distribution deal; it's great. If you can get a distribution deal that that recoups your costs, like from a Lionsgate or something like that, mm-hmm. then more power to you. But those deals are, you know, relatively rare. But the higher profile, the folks that are on your production, if you've got names, you know, attached to your elite talent, mm-hmm. those all make the make the road a lot easier to travel. I'll tell
2: you, uh, you made one of Heather's dreams come true. Uh, you you uh, said you always wanted to be in a horror movie. I want to get killed, though. Yeah, you want to get killed. I want to get killed. I know. Uh,
3: hmm. (laughs) I want to
0: scream and get killed.
3: I can always add uh, (laughs) a a shot right at the very end of the wraparound story where the clown lifts the axe above Heather's head.
2: Yeah,
0: hey. uh, I'm fine with that. She's
2: actually happy about that. Um, Nice. Yeah, no, she's very serious. She wants to die on film (laughs) Uh, (laughs) since I've known her. Um, (laughs) Well... I don't know what to tell you. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. We'll make that happen. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're already with a portion of it. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the, the actors and actresses in that you've, you have there. Um, you should probably mention them by name and uh, where you found them, what, I mean, why you picked them.
3: Uh, well, let's see here. The uh, primary actors we use, we use the same primary cast. Our, our young girl was uh, Gracie Whitten. Um, just a amazingly talented young lady. Um, I saw her, the moment I saw her audition tape, I was like, you know, uh, I was talking to my producer and, and casting director, Sherry Davis, who was working on it with me. And I was like, well, offer it to her when she turns it down, we'll offer it to this other actress. Um, because we couldn't afford, you know, to pay her what she was worth. She's, you know, she was in scary movie five as one of the primary children. Really? I mean, she oh, was amazing. Cool.
2: I did. You didn't tell me that. Okay, cool.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, just uh, look her up on IMDb. Um, She's got, uh, she's got a a lot of great credits. She's an amazing actress. She really is. Yeah, she really is. No, she's
2: very impressed. And very creepy. Yeah. Uh,
3: Land Secret was our, was our actor. We actually took a little bit longer time with the, with the lead actor. Um, we had several different folks who were really good, uh, in their pre-reads. And, um, at the end of the day, we, for the, for the roles, uh, that the anthology was going to have just uh, we wanted uh, kind of like the, the guy who could play, you know, creepy in one uh, on ones in one story, who could play um, who could sell you like a different type of like hunkiness, maybe in another story uh, where we're going to, you know, where we're taking like with revelations, um, not to give too many plot points away, but you can go watch it anyways. Um, he was, you know, a philandering, Kind of, or at least he, you know, believably philandering, which got him killed. he have got his head stuffed in the freezer. Um, so, yeah,
2: but he was, scene.
3: you know, he was, Lance was, Lance was excellent. Heather uh, just
2: gave you the thumbs up for that one, by the way. What's that? She gave you the thumbs up for that scene.
3: Oh, uh, the, the head in the freezer? Yeah. Yeah, we, we had an amazing uh, makeup special effects artist, uh, Crystal White, who I met on Facebook, actually. <clears throat> uh, she was, in fact when I offered her to come onto the project again, I expected her to say no, cause she was, she's amazingly talented. That's actually what she does. She creates monsters for haunted houses. Cool. <clears throat> um, uh, Sherry Davis is also one of our lead actresses and, uh, she was one who worked on the project with us from the, from kind of the outset, uh, through the middle half of the project. Um, and then she kind of brought in, uh, or kind of took care of like pre-reading all the actors. Um, she brought in uh, April Hartman, who ended up being their lead in the last two films. Um, and April was just amazing. We uh, we when we, actually The first time I actually met April in person was when we shot the Jones. And when we were filming her scene, which is her, – her primary scene was the scene at the end when she kind of reveals kind of everything that's really happening in the story. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when the first time we took – we had a take of that, we were all looking at each other like, whoa. Because she was – she just like – she literally stole the show. Hmm. Um, so um, Robert Johnson was also brought in um, for the Jones. And uh, it was actually when we shot the Jones, we were going to try and recast those the smaller minor roles for the last couple of films. And it really hit me. Robert Johnson was the size of the type of actor we were going to need for Rawhead to play the monster. Okay. And I was like, you know what? There's no let's just do this like American horror story. Like and just, you know, we've got April. We've got Robert. There's no reason to even go look for, you know, casting the other minor roles, and that's kind of what we committed to those actors for the remaining uh, portion. And then uh, Ann Buyer, uh, we brought in for Origin to uh, to complement that that fifth character in 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 the Origin of Species.
2: Well, this is about the time where you need to tell everybody where to find you, where to find the actors, the films, how they how can they see them, what to look forward to.
3: Okay. Um, the films are all available on YouTube. Uh, you can look up, uh, Roger Sampson's, uh, YouTube channel, um, or you can look at them by name, Revelations, the Jones, uh, Raw Hit and the Origin of Species. Um, I think actually, um, you can find them all on IMDb. We also have a Facebook page, the Forces of Horror Anthology, uh, volume one. um, as far as the, they'll they'll be available to watch on YouTube for the next several months at least until we get closer to uh, having the video on demand DVD materials uh, completed, and then we'll take them down at that point in order to try to uh, get a distribution deal uh, set up. Um, we also have them floating around the festival circuit. We actually just got notification: The Origin of Species was accepted into one in Oklahoma. We'll be hopefully announcing oh, very in cool. the next few days, hopefully. Oh,
0: you know what, Roger? You should um. Every, uh, November here in Pittsburgh, there's a film festival called the Three Rivers Film Fest. I actually okay. do some work for them. Um, you could probably try to submit it to them. Definitely.
3: Three Rivers Film Fest? Yeah. Okay. It's
0: always two weeks in November that they run it. It's like the second week of November usually. But um, Do they
3: go through without a box or film freeway or how do you, or, um, do you I like don't, submission?
0: I don't really know. Um, like a lot of local filmmakers will get their films in there, but they accept like international films, like all kinds. So. Um, just search three rivers film fest, or you can go to, um, the Pittsburgh filmmakers website. Um, that's a school. That's where they kind of have the festival. Okay. Um, One of the theaters there. You could find some information there. Okay. So,
3: um, as far as me, I, uh, you can find me on, um, Twitter. I'm at, uh, F underscore O underscore N underscore films. Um, I'm at Roger Sampson on Instagram. And, um, of course I have, you know, Facebook. Um I don't know what else.
2: Okay. Well, Heather, you should plug away since you got a lot of things happening lately.
0: Um the only thing i have happening is glowworms. Yeah, but you said <laughs> there was something music.
2: else you don't want to talk about that project yet. Uh
0: we we we're just starting it out. I just started another project with somebody. So we don't even have a name yet. <laughs> But I can tell you, it's like Earth inspired. It's very heavy and
2: slow, Okay. and yeah. ambient. When you say Earth inspired, you mean Black Sabbath? The, no, earth, the band uh, Earth. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm, cool.
0: I'm, I'm taking it that direction.
2: Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. But um, well, where do they? Where do people find you?
0: Um, Facebook or I have Insta- I use Instagram a lot more than anything. Classic Tad.
2: I need to get on there. Yeah, yeah. that's.
0: I just I'm sick of Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, Twitter <laughs> under Heather Taddy.
2: That's yeah. That's all, right. yeah. Well, that's all uh, I'm giving. Well, I got to plug away our stuff here too. Um, all right, well, I can be found at well, at Fairly Dark as you know on Twitter. Um, all my stuff, the books and all our kettle whistle radio shows are at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. You can find everything there. You can communicate with me and uh book yourselves if you're bands out there, if you have bands that you know Roger, please let them send them my way. And um I don't know we got a lot of stuff going on man. I can't wait actually, to Actually
3: see- do I would like to put out a plug here to um, our composer on the anthology. There you go. Um, we actually through a friend a filmmaker friend of mine in Florida, we were introduced to an amazing composer by the name of Rio Utasato. Um, her and her husband actually have a band called Firesphere out in out in Tampa area. They're actually quite amazing. Um, yeah, all cool. the score from basically The Jones On is all Rio's doing. Everything you hear in the score is is her music, as wrote specifically for our films. Uh, she's been an absolute joy to work with, and if you have any independent filmmakers who need a who need a composer, send them send them to her. Her name is
0: Rio, and she. Is you can
3: find her on Reverb Nation Facebook. <laughs> she mostly, uh, Reverb Nation's where most of her music is, but it's, huh. you, you, there's tons of uh, samples on there. I mean, they're just mesmerizing.
2: It's something we picked out when we were watching it the first time. Um, just the, the soundtrack was so professional, so good, just like, and not overdone, you know, like it didn't take yeah. over the film. It was there. It fit perfectly.
3: Yeah, she actually uh, professionally um, composed TV in Japan.
2: Nice. Cool. Wow. Yeah, she, she's amazing. Absolutely, it'll be, uh, the whole thing. We're just very proud to be a part of it and uh hope to make you proud. Um, we got some work to do. Um, and uh, Don't worry, Rio's
3: going to put a score on there. No matter what you guys do, it'll be awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll both laugh right now because we're, we're, well, I don't know, I'm not an actor. Do you consider yourself an actress? No, I, no. <laughs> She's like, no. Just
0: because I was on TV doesn't mean I'm an actress. <laughs>
2: Just played one on TV. Yeah. Alright, well this was fun, Roger. Thanks for finally coming on and that wasn't your fault. Uh, we've been booked. We'll have you on. That's again all good. Before, you know, will definitely have you on more than a few times, uh, before we get close to the release and everything else. Uh, Sounds good. If you have announcements or whatever. But yeah, hit us up all the time and as always, uh, look, at, look us up. Kettle Whistle Radio on Facebook, Society 13 Podcasting Network, and you could always hit me up, David Fairhead, on my Facebook too and Twitter. At Fairly Dark, I'll get back to you. All right, and uh bands out there, hit me up. All right, and I, I guess that's it for Kettle West Radio this time. Uh, Roger, any, any parting
3: words? i uh, just like to thank my cast and crew on the anthology. Um, they all know who they are. They were the most amazing people to work with, and I look forward to working with them many, many times in the future.
2: Very cool, very cool. Heather, you want to say goodnight? Oh, wait. Good night. No, you got oh. give, give me that camera. You gotta, yeah, we, we, we'll <laughs> catch this. we haven't caught this on film yet, but...
0: Well, Roger, it was nice to finally talk, to, chat with
3: you. Yes, Heather, it was a, it was wonderful to chat with you. I hope to be able to chat with you again, and next time I'll look forward to actually seeing you.
2: Yeah, yeah that's my Sounds fault. We didn't get the cameras. It was a, a late night at work for both, but we just got here like at the same time. It was it was it was kind of late. I oh, mean, uh, yeah. she's kicking the mic Sorry, now. I'm... But I'm... all right, well, I'm going to say good night, Roger uh, and Heather. It's up to you at this point to finish it up. Close, <laughs> go go out.
0: I, I, I was trying to think of a song to sing. Usually, we end our shows with me singing something. So sing, sing. But, nice. Um, uh. I'm just so hungry. I need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: been eating all day. It's such right. a busy day. We're going to go. <laughs> Roger, thank you very
3: much. All right. Take care, you guys.
2: See all ya. Right. All
3: right. Man. We'll see you again.
0: Bye. Take care. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't really say much.
3: Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric